Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Best rumble ever? Let's step into the ring. Welcome to In This Ring, the greatest wrestling podcast in the history of the universe. And now, Joe Pizzapia. Let me talk to ya! What's up, everybody? It's me, Joey P. Joe Pizzapia, and welcome to In This Ring, the greatest wrestling podcast in the history of the universe. It's you, and it's me. We're talking all things wrestling here on the In This League podcast network. Don't forget to join the ITL Army over on Patreon, and of course, you can follow us over at X and In This Ring and at Joe Pizzapia17, and subscribe to In This Ring wherever you get your pods, because it's a nice thing to do. Holy crap, what a busy few weeks it's been in the wrestling world and we're just on the precipice of the Royal Rumble this Saturday, but don't tell Gunther, because he thinks it's Sunday. He made a little flub. He made a little flub on Monday night, but that's okay, because that was all amazing. There's so much to talk about. I can't even I can't even wrap my mind around it. There's so much between CM Punk and Cody Rhodes and Seth Rollins' injury, and then Gunther coming out, and then on top of all of that, still the rock looming, and oh, wait, the WWE is moving raw. There's so many things going on, and some AEW stuff. We'll get to that, too, but... Uh, let's let's start let's start with the business. Let's get the business out of the way. We'll give the rumble predictions. I have been this is four years in a row where I have been spot on. I have not blown one of these yet in four years of this show, and I got to tell you, I've been going back and forth on this one a lot, a lot more than usual because there's so many different ways you can go with this one, and because of the recent Seth Rollins news, it's impacted the way that I think about this upcoming rumble. My prediction for the men, the women, I've got the women, I've locked it in. I think we're good there. So I'll give you my picks. I'll give you my logic, the whole big thing here. But let's talk about this deal with Netflix first. So Raw for $5 billion with a B is moving over to Netflix from USA. Everybody knew this was going to happen. They were going to move from USA. USA purchased SmackDown, right? So they're going to be showing that, which is fine. But at first, I think the initial reaction, people were like, oh, a streaming service. Oh, but to which I say... How many people nowadays don't have a Netflix account? And I understand there's people out there struggling money-wise. I get that. I totally understand that. But you're in a situation here where WWE, I think, is getting ahead of the curve yet again. They're kind of ahead of the curve when they started the network, which I still miss, which I still love, which I wish they had just gone back to. I'm a little surprised that Peacock didn't pay the bill for this one because I thought Peacock would be the logical one. You know, they, you see what they were doing with the NFL. Maybe they didn't have any money left at the NFL deal, but you saw how that drove subscribers with that chiefs game two weeks ago and all the content, the, you know, premium live events are on there already. All the archives are on there already. So it seemed like a logical place, but instead Netflix, which is desperate to get into the live sports game has gotten into live sports game here. And the smart thing about this deal from Netflix perspective is you're getting a 365, or should I say a 52 week a year show that is proven, that has a fan base. And I think that's what's so smart about this from Netflix perspective. You know, if you're going to go and get soccer, you're going to go and get football, baseball, they're all seasonal, not wrestling. Professional wrestling is all year round, every single year. So you're locking in every Monday night, there's Raw. Now, what is it going to look like? Are we going to get rid of these picture-in-picture ad breaks? I would think so. I imagine there's still some sort of 
I guess, some sort of commercials in between. If it's not, maybe we make it a two-hour show again. Just saying, a lot of that stuff gets kind of stretched out there. So my initial reaction was jarring because I think we're also used to it just being on regular linear television, but now it's not. And it also gives you a little bit more, I think, freedom to, you know, do what you want to do and how you want to do it. I'm sure Netflix is basically saying, hey, this is a great show where, you know, it's very popular. You guys go make the show you want. And I think from an artistic standpoint, that's got to be a very big plus here for TKO and for WWE and making this giant money decision. And that's going to start in 2025. So it's a big deal uh, because of the nature of it. But I have to give WWE credit because they are always kind of at the forefront of these things and they're ahead of the curve. And I think they're ahead of the curve here because you're seeing the NFL, Major League Baseball, you know, Premier League. You're seeing all these leagues dabble in this streaming services and streaming services want to have more live sports. That's the big thing keeping people away from just cutting cords like myself. Like I don't want to lose all those other sporting events and it's hard to get them. So my thoughts on this Netflix deal is it's great for Netflix. I think it is. I think it's going to push subs for them where a lot of people might've gotten out of Netflix and now they're going to get in. I think it sucks for the, um, the casual fan that, or should I say, you know, maybe the diehard fan that is a little on the older side that doesn't do the streaming stuff. It kind of sucks for them, you know, and maybe it forces them to get the Netflix account, but hell, my mother has a Netflix account and she's 75 years old. So I don't see why anybody can't get a Netflix account or whatever the hell it is. I can't even talk. So if she could do it, you could do it. If you're 75 and listening to this show, I'm not sure what the demographic is. I'll ask Chris Jericho. He knows a lot about uh, demographics there, but again, great deal for WWE billions of dollars with a B. I mean, how do you say no to that? And I can only assume it blew everything else out of the water. I think the last deal was like 260 million for the rights to raw on an annual basis. This values it at almost 400 million a year. That my friends is a much bigger deal. So kudos to, everybody at the top there. And I think it'll be interesting to see if it's less commercials or if it goes to a two hour show, I'm all for that. The biggest frustration is going to be Monday nights in the NFL season. You can't flip back and forth between football game and wrestling. It's not easy to flip. So if you're going to watch raw, now you got to commit to watching raw. So that'll be interesting. It also kind of throws the, the ratings out the window because there's no such thing as ratings on the streaming services. You get the views or whatever that is, but I don't know how readily available that information is. So that's kind of interesting. So maybe it's good for AEW because they don't have to compete against them. You know, somebody also brought up an idea, which is, I saw this. What if AEW moves to Monday nights on TBS, which would be an interesting thing to do for those people who feel alienated by WWE moving Raw to Netflix. That's interesting. That's a big power move. I don't know if they've got that in the cards. We shall see. But then you also go up against Monday Night Football from September to December, even into January. I don't know if that's the best deal necessarily for AEW. I don't think they want to do that. I don't think they're there. That would be a mistake in my opinion. But what do I know? I'm just a handsome wrestling podcast host. Let's get to more wrestling. Let's get to Raw. And then I want to get to Samoa Joe and Hook because I want to talk about that because there's so many amazing things to talk about. Plus Okada. We got to talk about Okada. Tell you, I'm going to have a, a I'm going to have an episode. Uh, but let's talk about Raw. So Seth Rollins has his injury. Now, look, I cover football MCLs are typically, you're looking at a four to six week injury. So when he came out and he said three to four months, I thought that was a little like, okay, kind of rolling my eyes there. And then you have the Gunter coming out there, which was good because that kind of assuaged any fears of a Damian Priest cash in. I thought that was very clever. You also had yet another reminder of 
the embarrassment of riches that is the WWE product when it comes to main event talent that they have right now. Because besides Roman and Rollins and Punk and Cody and Randy Orton and, 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 you've also got Gunter. And he is, uh, before all the CM Punk stuff happened, I thought it was going to be Gunter and Seth Rollins. I said that on this show. I said, my WrestleMania is very simple. Night one, Gunter, Seth Rollins. Night two, Roman Cody. So I think they're kind of keeping this in their back pocket. Triple H is no dummy. They're doing a very good job of giving themselves options. They're keeping Drew McIntyre in this bubble. Damien Priest in this bubble. Because if Seth Rollins doesn't recover well, they will have to pivot. If he has a setback in his rehab, which happens sometimes, they will have to pivot. Now, I know it's only one night. Can Seth Rollins soldier through? Knowing what I know about Rollins, the answer is probably yes. But at the same time, you have to cover yourself for the worst case scenario. And they have. You could put McIntyre in that match. It's great. You could put Gunter in that match with CM Punk. It's great. You could put Cody in that match. I don't think that's where we're going, but you could. And we're keeping our options open. So my anticipation is you won't see Seth for a while, but you will see Seth at WrestleMania night one against CM Punk. I do think that's still where we're going. Uh, Then you had what might be the best thing I've seen in a very long time on Raw. And... You had this whole thing and it was publicized of CM Punk and Cody Rhodes together. And I don't know why or how we got there, but we got there and I don't want to question things. I just want to see it. I'm a fan. I just want to see it. So we got there and it was glorious. It was fantastic. You had all this, you know, it's talking about your dad, right? Cody and talking about when the American dream calls you to take care of your kid, you listen and you take care of his kid and, and, you know, I, you didn't need taken care of because you were serious and I respected you and all that stuff. It was very South Park. I respect you, bro. I respect you, bro. There's a lot of that going on, which I love. And then eventually, you know, you had it turn a little bit where Punk was saying in true Punk fashion when he's at his best, which is that in-between guy. Like, you love him, but he's kind of a dick. And I think that's exactly where CM Punk should be. It's where Drew McIntyre is right now, and that's good. That's his best version of himself, too. But then you had the whole, well, you know, I wasn't born on third base I wasn't the Nepo baby. My dad was an electrician and I scratched and clawed my way here. And I am more American dream than you at the end of the day to which Cody Rose, which I thought was quite a burn. Let me just tell you, I was like, Ooh, I was like, CM Punk might get the better of Cody here, but Cody had his moment in the reply, which was, you know, you had your moment with the pipe bomb and you, laid out a vision of how this business could be and should be. And then you walked away and you dropped the torch and I picked it up and I went out there and I walked the walk for you. And all you did was talk and I did all the things that you talked about. So you could say that I'm more CM Punk than you goosebumps, literal goosebumps. This was so great. And then you had the stare down at the end, the whole thing. I mean, this was just great. It's all anybody's talking about. It's all anybody should talk about. And again, you should make us wait for it. I don't want to see it at WrestleMania now. Maybe SummerSlam, maybe Mania next year. Who knows? All I know is I don't want to see this for a while. But it WWE is doing an amazing job right now of continuously showing you, hey, you want to see this someday? No, you want to see Randy Orton, Cody someday? Hmm? How about... Uh, how about Seth Rollins Gunter? You want to see that someday? What about Drew McIntyre, CM Punk? You want to see that? Someday? Yes. The answer is yes to all of these things. I want to see all of these things. I don't want to see them now. I want to spread it out. I want three months of this and four months of that and six months of this. I want all of it. 
It's going to be very exciting if they do it right and if everybody stays healthy. And then apparently if you believe what's going on, Kazuchika Okada it might be joining WWE. Now, I hear the thing that he's going to be starting in NXT, which makes no sense to me. He's 36 years old. He is the premier face of New Japan World Wrestling. He is known around the planet. Any non-casual, real diehard wrestling fan absolutely knows Okada. Is absolutely, my kids have seen Okada matches, for God's sakes. So starting with NXT just makes no sense to me. I don't get it at all. But if that's what they want to do, whatever. And I know they have a new deal on CW, so maybe that's part of the thing. But now they have this Netflix deal, which is a big global streaming service deal. Stars like Okada are going to matter a little bit more here. And I think that's important. And it makes a lot of sense to bring in more international stars like Okada to the product. So that's another guy you could throw into this mix. Now, I like Okada. I don't love Okada like some other people do. I'm more of a Naito fella. Um, but I like Osprey as well. My New Japan guys, those are my guys. I enjoy Zack Sabre Jr. matches. But Okada, I have great respect for. He's a tremendous talent. He's a star. And I actually think at this stage in his career, he's better suited to the WWE style than what he was doing in New Japan. And I think if he can kind of bring the best of both, he could be a really interesting asset for WWE. So we'll see where that goes. I also want to see where the whole thing with Hook goes. Now, I'm recording this on a Tuesday here. So I don't know how they're going to follow up what happened. But there's a lot of controversy in AEW last week. Because you had Samoa Joe's first title defense and it was against Hook. And Tony Khan took to the internet and did his little, you know, (laughs) Tony Khan stuff. And then uh, took to X and started to, uh, you know, be Tony Khan for a little bit. And I'll tell you this. I think that you have an interesting thing that you've stumbled upon. And I know this is controversial here. And a lot of people did not like exactly how things went down here with Hook and Samoa Joe. A lot of people did. I come somewhere in the middle between those two worlds. And I think that a lot of this was positive because Samoa Joe made Hook feel like a big deal. Uh, I like the way this came about. I like Hook's presentation. You know, I haven't really heard him cut promos yet. We don't know if he can really talk or anything. But you can see he's bulking up a little bit. He's still very young. He's still very green. But he's got a he's got a charisma about him. He's got a magnetism about him, which is good. Something you can't teach. He's got it naturally, which is good. His dad had it too. And I love the beginning of the match where Joe's in the one corner and he's not looking at Joe, turning the other corner. And then he, you know, the bell rings and he's right up on Joe. And then Joe's got like, what are you doing, kid? You know, And the rock bottom, that stiff rock bottom that he gave him onto the announce table was brutal. It was great. I had to rewind it and watch it twice or three times because I I thought it was so stiff. I thought it was great. And then as the match went on, I was like, okay, so we're trying to build up Hook as like this, you know, you can't keep me down, you know, kind of Rocky-esque underdog figure. And I like it. It makes sense. You know, the young scrappy kid. It was a little awkward having Taz on commentary, like... It didn't take me out of it, but at the same time, I think it put Taz in a weird situation. Sometimes it worked. Sometimes I was less thrilled about that. Maybe he should have recused himself from it, but for the most part, it was fine. Where it started to go wrong was this, which is, I know Samoa Joe is there to make the next guys and to build the next guys, but it's also his first title defense as AEW champion. And credit to Samoa Joe. He is in much better shape. I was, a couple years ago, I kept saying, look, Samoa Joe keeps getting hurt because Samoa Joe is not in good shape. And until Samoa Joe gets himself back into a better form, he's going to continue to have these injuries. And he did. And the one, and had he 
taking care of himself better in WWE towards the end there, we could have had Roman Reigns Samoa Joe, which would have been an all-time great program. I would have loved to have seen that match. Talk about Tribal Chief stuff. That would have been spectacular. So we missed the boat there, which kind of sucks. And I'm kind of mad, but I forgive Samoa Joe. But he's clearly lost at least 25, 30 pounds. He's clearly in much better shape. Now, he can't move the way he used to. He's not as fast as he used to be, but he can still go at this weight that he is currently. Where the match started to go weird for me was when he give him, gives him the muscle buster, you know, and he kicks out at one. Now, that's the moment we're all talking about. So it had its effect. But the effect it had was one of all of us going, oh, my God, look at Hook. But, oh, you know, Samoa Joe, maybe he's getting too old. He can't pull people away. Now, if that's the story we're going to tell of Samoa Joe being a champion, but he's a little past his prime, then we've got to be careful with that because it could make him look weak sooner than later. Where it would have been better had Samoa Joe given him the muscle buster, which is a move you're not supposed to kick out of, let alone kick out on two, let alone one. Had he pulled him up after one, you could have told the same story and it could have kept the integrity of that move. And I think that would have been the better choice. Samoa Joe should have pulled him up, kept beating the crap out of him, and then you could have the hook rally again. And we all have great respect for hook. And then things get a little muddy there at the end because you have Hangman Adam Page come out and you have Swerve come out and that's fine. Swerve's very over. So this was good. This is one of the better things I've seen because AEW started off rough in the beginning of the year. AEW beginning of the year in January was rough. That first show they did in Jersey sucked. It was a lot of talking and talking is not their strong suit. And I'm talking about coming off the uh, MJF dropping the title. I'm talking about the Adam Cole stuff with the new group is undisputed, whatever the hell it is today like the undisputed kingdom. There was so much talking on that show. The New Jersey crowd went completely flat. They didn't come there to hear talking. And I know it's a new year. You're trying to reset stuff. And MJF just dropped the title and I get it, but it's not the right venue for that. They came there to see some buck kicking in Jersey and they did not get it. They got a lot of talking, but I do think the last couple weeks here, you know, you've added Deanna Perrazzo to the women's roster. You have somebody who could actually wrestle. That's good in the women's division. We'll see how that goes. Um, she's a good hand. I don't think she's a star, but she's a very good hand. And I think that's something they need more people like that around that division. So it's a start. Um, but man, oh man, like it has gotten better. It's gotten more high points recently. You also had the return of private party and Mark Quinn. Like I'm hoping Mark Quinn's injury was what was allowing, not allowing him to work out. But Mark Quinn does not look, I mean, Mark Quinn looks slow in that match. So I know everyone's excited about him. I like him too. He's fun. But holy crap, when you're wrestling in a white t-shirt underneath your regular gear, that means you're not in good condition. So again, I'm I'm sympathetic. Injuries are tough. Maybe he couldn't work out the way he wanted to. Okay. But when you get back on TV, you got to take care of business a little bit. Otherwise, injuries happen again. Case in point, Samoa Joe. Okay. So... The Joe Hook match at the end of the day, I think, did more for Hook than it did for Samoa Joe. I enjoyed it. I liked it. And we're all talking about it, so that's good. It's, a, it's the most talked about AEW thing, I feel like, in quite some time. And it's going to be the most talked about thing for a while because Kenny Omega is going to be out for a long time with whether or not he gets the surgery or doesn't. I don't want to talk about the Young Bucks and this new character shift they're doing, which is just more of the same nonsense. Like, I just... Ugh... 
Sting having his last match against them instead of having his last match against FTR is a giant mistake. But whatever. Maybe Sting wants to go over and they're going to lay down to Sting. Maybe. We'll see. That's usually not how you go out of these things. But we shall find out. But Samoa Joe Hook, if you don't follow up now with Hook, you've, you again, have fallen prey to the cardinal sin of making matches without booking matches. If this was now to get Hook into this scene and start to build him up and start to build up the story of him, and maybe you do run Hook against Swerve and against Hangman, and you're trying to find the next contender, you do that stuff. And maybe you give him a manager. Maybe his dad becomes his manager. I don't know, but somebody's got to talk for him. But if you don't follow up with this, then what the hell were you doing? If you don't follow up with this with Hook, and he just isn't on TV Wednesday night, which I don't think is going to be the case, but it could be, because it's AEW, then why did we do that to Samoa Joe with his first title defense? It was stupid. Should have been somebody else then. So you stumbled on something. There was energy in this. There was excitement in this. It was fun. Samoa Joe did a great job. Hook did a great job. Was it perfect? No. But it was good. It was something I wanted to see. And I wanted to watch it live. And I did. And I wasn't disappointed. I was not happy with everything. But I wasn't disappointed. And that's a big step forward in the right direction. Baby steps, AEW. Baby steps. I know they're trying to rebuild some guys. Wardlow trying to rebuild a couple things there. It's great. You finally got some things at the top of this card that are going to work. Swerve, Samoa Joe, Page. That's good. That's something that I'm interested in. You want to throw a hook into this mix? Okay, cool. You want to throw Rusev into this mix? I'm much happier. Claudio Castagnoli into this match? Let me tell you, if you throw him into this mix too, that's really good. Claudio had a match two weeks ago with Adam Page. It was very good, I thought. It was good to see him. And I'll tell you what, when they do the shows down in Jacksonville at that Daly's place, they should do more of that. And I know it's a small venue and you don't want to burn out the crowd down there and all that stuff. But Daly's place is where it felt very AW and it felt kind of like it's a small intimate spot where it's still kind of indie, but it's still kind of bigger than that. It's a different setup. It's really cool. Now, I'm not saying you run it every single week, but maybe you run it every single month or more because it feels like it would be a good idea for them to do that. And then you go take the show out on the road for the big shows that you want to do on TV. And then the pay-per-view is the same thing. But you know, like they do Winter is Coming and they do all these other things that are on television. They're like glorified pay-per-views. I want more of that elsewhere in the bigger venues. But keep it to more places like Daly's Place where it feels a little bit, I don't know, more intimate. I think AEW thrives in that environment. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Royal Rumble right now. You know, it's funny. When Seth Rollins got hurt, I thought there might be a case where, oh my God, if Seth Rollins is going to drop this belt... And are we going to have another 1992 Royal Rumble where it's for the belt? Could you imagine that chaos? How amazing that would be? Because I would definitely be picking CM Punk to win. Put the belt on CM Punk. You have him and Gunter, him and Drew McIntyre. You go a lot of different ways there. That would be great. Could even do him and Cody if you really wanted to. But let's talk about the women first. Ladies first. I know a lot of people think it's going to be Becky Lynch. I think it's going to be Bailey, and here's why. I think within the confines of the rumble, you can have her on purpose or even accidentally eliminate Asuka, Kyrie Sane, all these other people that are going to be in there to maybe protect EO's belt. And then all of a sudden it kind of puts her on the outs a little bit. Now, maybe they're not in the Royal Rumble. I don't know. But 
I do think it's a really interesting thing of creating tension. And I think the longer that tension exists, the better off we will be. Now, you could also make the argument, well, if Becky wins, then it forces Bailey when she wins to have to challenge EO. But I don't want to get there. I think what you do is you have her win and then you have the pressure of Bailey make the decision. Bailey, it's going to be Rhea Ripley. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be Rhea Ripley. And she waits and waits and waits and waits too long. You have Becky win Elimination Chamber in Australia where you need big stars and a big event like that. Becky winning there makes a lot more sense. She's a big star. You need the big stars to carry that event because you're not going to have Roman Reigns. You're not going to have Brock Lesnar or any of that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And Brock Lesnar's in the main event scene too. Forgot about him. God, what an embarrassment of riches. But anyway, I think the tension building works better with Bailey. I think you take your time and then it becomes a thing where, well, hey, Becky immediately goes after Rhea Ripley. Now, all of a sudden, you're almost forced into this match with EO. And I think that's way more uncomfortable and way more fun. And I think that's the way to do it. So I'm picking Bailey to win this year. Not Nia Jax, not Becky Lynch. I think you hold off to Elimination Chamber for that. Now with the men, this is trickier. This is much trickier. Because again, you have Elimination Chamber coming up. And you want to have a big pop here at the main event of the men's Elimination Chamber. And certainly that would be Cody winning. And that makes a lot of sense. So originally my pick was always CM Punk. I thought CM Punk would win this and go and challenge Seth Rollins and it'll be easy peasy. That's it. You kind of have me thinking about Gunter a little bit too, because that would throw a really interesting wrench into the situation. At the end of the day, I keep going back and forth, but I keep coming back to this, which is, you know, how do we protect CM Punk a little bit? Because CM Punk is a little older and you got to make sure he looks good, but you've also got to put Cody Rhodes in bubble wrap a little bit. And I think that's the other thing too. So when you go to Elimination Chamber, one of them has to win Elimination Chamber, right? The bigger pop, the bigger moment is probably Cody Rhodes, just like Becky Lynch. The problem is all the eyes aren't on it. CM Punk is something people have been waiting for a long time. And for a crowd in Australia that's been waiting for a very long time to get a live event like this, having it be Punk... Man, that makes a lot of sense. That's a big cachet. So you could still have Cody come out and do his Cody stuff. But I think also having Punk limited in the sense of like, you could have him be the last guy to come out in the chamber. You don't have to have him, you know, exposed or overexposed too much on a one-on-one -on -one match yet because he's still working his way back up into, I think, wrestling shape. So I'm trying to think of this from a logical standpoint. The other thing is the one definitive thing you can do is Roman Cody. So I think you do that and you lock that in and then you continue to play this Gunter, Drew McIntyre, Damian Priest, CM Punk thing, because if in a few weeks you get news that things are not going well for Seth Rollins, you can make Elimination Chamber for the championship, have that champion go to WrestleMania night one and then have a tournament or something else to get to that contendership. So there's a, there's a lot more outs you know if you're a poker player there's a lot more outs there in that scenario because you have all this main event talent you could throw Brock Lesnar in that mix too which is a great way to spin off Brock Lesnar and Gunter for the IC it's perfect you could spin off more Drew McIntyre Damian Priest who were the main event of Raw the other night which I think should be for that briefcase at Wrestlemania and I think Drew McIntyre should win I think he should cash in on CM Punk and I want like 
I think you're going to see some banana stuff night one of WrestleMania. But I've landed on this. They kept teasing about how only two people have won it back-to-back years. It was HBK. It was also Steve Austin. You got the video game coming out, that release with his face on it. Cody's the new face of the company, folks. If you don't like it, too bad. He's the face of the company. I love it. I think it's great. Love what Cody's been doing for the last couple of years. Just super excited about Mania. I think you lock it in. I think you have Cody win the Royal Rumble back to back. I think you have him do it from an earlier spot, like one. But I think that you you try to try to tell that story again. Now I know some people will say, well, psychologically it might be better to make Cody wait, make it harder, all this stuff. Look, the one thing you want to do right now is lock in at Royal Rumble, Cody Rhodes as the number one contender for Roman Reigns championship, and then put Cody in bubble wrap. Cause the last thing you can have happen on a one-on-one singles match that you don't need is Cody getting hurt. That really throws a big wrench. That you just don't need. So it's safer to have him win the rumble safer to keep him out of elimination chamber. Because again, you have options night one. You could even run rock and Roman night one as a really big default, but I don't think that's where they're going. I really don't. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. But if you lock in Cody at Rumble, then what you have at Elimination Chamber is options. If Seth is good, CM Punk goes over. If Seth isn't good, CM Punk goes over, maybe wins the belt, then you have lots of outs. Maybe you have Drew McIntyre win and you have CM Punk chase. There's so many options. Gunter also an option. Like there, there's so many ways you can go with this. Uh, so for me... It makes the most sense. I was all about CM Punk winning this until the Seth Rollins injury. And when the Seth Rollins injury happened, I think the smart thing is to go back to Cody winning again and then start the build there. Start the build now. January, what is it? 27th, right? Or whatever it is. The next day, you're starting that build for Roman Cody. You're going to carry that build into Australia where Cody goes out and cuts a big promo on Roman Reigns, right? That's what you do. You have everybody hyped up about finishing the story and you plug that for the next two months to get to WrestleMania February through March. I think that makes the most sense because if you run Cody into Elimination Chamber and he gets hurt there, which is a tough match, a lot of crazy things can happen in matches like that. I think you're putting yourself at a disadvantage and I think it's bad, bad booking to do that. Lock in the one thing you want to do, take it, run with it, Because you can't take it for granted. Because you already learned that the hard way with Seth in a meaningless match against Jinder Mahal. And anything can happen. So lock it in in the Rumble, which is a much safer environment. Much easier. And then you go from there. And then you give yourself options. You give yourself outs for Elimination Chamber. Which, again, a lot of people aren't going to see. You know, it's going to be at, what, 5 in the morning here on the East Coast, right? So they're not going to see it live. So everyone's going to get up and say, oh, CM Punk won. And they're going to run to watch it because CM Punk won. I think they will. And I think that's a good thing. So I think either way, they're good. So Bailey, Cody, that's the way I think we're going with this. I want to hear from you. Hit me up at In This Ring at Joe Pizzapia 17. Let me know your predictions. Also predictions for Rumble. Roman Reigns retains... But it could be good. Still could be very good. I think you might have the tag championships for the women move, though. Keep an eye on that. I think that could be a mover and a shaker. So we shall see what goes on. And I can't wait to see who Gunter faces. I hope it's Brock Lesnar. If not, I want it to be Sami Zayn in the worst way. Also, Logan Paul retains prediction as well against uh, Kevin Owens, which should be a fun match. So we'll see how that goes. So 
that's it. Enjoy the rumble. It's gonna, oh, it could be so good. And the fact that we really don't know, I mean, last year was kind of a fait complete. This year, must see television because you just don't know because they've shown you so many different pathways. We're going to walk down one. I think this time you just keep it simple again. Lock in what you know, lock in what you need and take it from there. That'll do it for me, Joey P. And again, that's the bottom line because Joe P said so. So many choices.